You're listening to a Natural Products Insider podcast, now on Google Play. With Sandy Almendares, Editor-in-Chief. and welcome to a healthy insider podcast i am sandy and i am in our phoenix office right back from our supply side east show in secaucus new jersey and i am sitting with heather granado who is vp of content here at informa's health and nutrition hi heather hello there and all the way to his home office in virginia we've got steve myers who is senior editor he focuses mostly on sports but uh, has his hand in many things that we do on insider hi steve hello Thanks for joining me today. So we are going to talk about some of the trends that we saw uh, at the show at Supply Side East, as well as other notable topics that came up during education or on the Expo Hall show floor. And the first one I wanted to bring up was ancient wisdom. So uh, we had a presentation from Next and NBJ with Claire Morton and Eric Pierce, and they talked about the, the trends, overall trends in the industry. Um, one of them was ancient wisdom. So this is things using, going back to the basics with processing as well as ingredients. Um, and an example from the show floor that I saw was RFI's fermentation. They they were displaying their Firma Pro technology um, with a beet and CareFlow beverage product. So beet is obviously beets. Mango, uh, the CareFlow is a mango fruit preparation. Um, that was directed for sports nutrition and heart health. And they were saying this, the fermentation process reduces the sugar, increases nitric oxide, enhances bioavailability, and just makes things wonderful. And of course, it's like going back to the basics of a fermentation technology that people have used many, many years ago before we even had uh, refrigeration. So. Heather, I think you saw some other things in this ancient wisdom category. Well, I think what you were talking about there is pretty interesting. Fermentation is certainly one of the original processing technologies, mm -hmm. certainly improves um, gut health. So you saw a lot at Expo West. We saw it again here at Supply Side, uh, that ferment fermented ingredients uh, for improved digestibility. Uh, certainly on the ancient wisdom, it's not just about uh, going back to ingredients, back to the basics, but also how do you tap into the wisdom of ancient cultures? So whether that's Ayurveda, you see a lot of interest now in ashwagandha, uh, driven a lot in large part by KSM 66, which was our title sponsor, but also things like ginseng from a traditional Chinese perspective. So a lot happening in terms of botanical ingredients mm -hmm. and really using the wisdom of old to inform what consumers are looking to address their health issues today. Absolutely. And then, of course, this leads us into, you were just mentioning uh, fermentation and digestion. So, of course, there's always lots of talk about probiotics. Um, and this was put into another trend um, at the NBJ and next presentation on this quest for rest. Um, so it's not just sleep is what they were talking about, but it's a rest, restoring your body and, and making yourself into this uh, you know, a more a better human and, and uh, more back to the basics and away from this stressful lifestyles that we leave, which of course is the adaptogens that you mentioned uh, earlier. Um, Ivan Wasserman spoke on our uh, presentation theater about um, all the biotics, right? So he talked about probiotics and prebiotics, symbiotics, psychobiotics, postbiotics, um, all of these new biotics that we are seeing in the marketplace, these new, some of them are, have been established by a lot of scientific research. Others are more marketing trends. Um, so that's a, a 
a trend to watch all these biotics that are coming up. And of course, uh, one of those prebiotics, um, saw several on the show floor, but one that was notable to me was um, AIDP suite of prebiotics. Um, one is called Bo Beauty Oligo, which is marketed for beauty from within. I haven't really seen a probiotic for that uh, in that exact category before, so I found that interesting. A lot happening actually in the prebiotic space as consumers recognize the importance of fiber and make the connection between general fiber and fiber that feeds their microbiome. So I think what you're seeing is a lot more interest in probiotics uh, mm -hmm. because of the microbiome connection and then an understanding that you should feed what's in there uh, to optimize your own personal. That's kind of that personalized nutrition that we continue to see. Right, absolutely. Steve, did you see anything in this quest for rest category? Well, you mentioned um, <clears throat> fermentation and you mentioned probiotics and in the in the sports workshop, Holly McHugh from Imbibe called out probiotics and apple cider vinegar, which of course is fermented, um, as trending ingredients um, for digestion, for weight loss in, um, in beverages, including sports beverages. And then later in the uh, sports workshop, Sue Hewlings from Nutrisource spoke about um, recovery, which is often overlooked, especially in active consumers, weekend warriors. One of the aspects um, of recovery that she highlighted was sleep, the forgotten recovery aid. And, you know, she talked about how um, inadequate sleep for athletes and inactive consumers could um, affect cognitive function and mood and attention, you know, processing time. And it can also um, increase inflammation. It kind of can screw up your recovery. It can screw up your performance. And uh, we're, we're hearing more of that in the sports world. And, and, and Sue tried to highlight that. I think you're hearing more of that at trade shows. Certainly the lack of sleep certainly impacts performance and cognitive function for anyone who is up for your early morning session. I was pleased we had so many people who woke up and came out to uh, bright and early sports nutrition in Secaucus. So another trending ingredient that we're seeing show up in the sleep space and about every other space uh, is CBD. Um, there isn't a ton of research on CBD for, for sleep that I'm aware of, but uh, doesn't doesn't start, stop companies from marketing as such. Um, everyone was talking about CBD just like they were at Supply Side West at, Supply Side, at this current show, Supply Side East. Neptune announced that they are expanding into the U.S. market. So before, we all know Neptune formerly working on uh, krill oil, and um, they had since sold that business to Auker, and now they are focused specifically on the cannabis. They were focused specifically on the cannabis industry in Canada, but now they are launching a, a hemp-derived ingredients um, portfolio to the U.S. Uh, to the U.S. customers. So um, that was a new thing. Um, but most of the people that I talked to about CBD on the show floor were they were not in their their sales literature or in their marketing materials, but it's more of an exploratory thing. So every time I go to a booth, my question is like, what are you focused on at the show? I keep it really open so people can just talk to me about whatever's on their mind. And more often than not, it was a CBD. Um, for instance, a company said that they, you know, weren't getting into the CBD business. It's not, it's not legal by FDA. We're not doing it. And they can't believe these other companies are going to do it. Other companies are saying, you know, we're, we're looking at it. We're doing our research. We're weighing the options. Should we get in? Should we not? We're talking to our lawyers. We're talking to our investors. 
etc. Other companies are like, nope, full steam ahead. Like, you know, we're we're gonna we're gonna launch CBD product this year. So it's a wide range of uh, of responses um, that the the established industry is having. The established industry that who would be marketing at Supply Side East. Um, there's also a like the contract labs were talking about CBD and how they can they're exploring testing and how to get on, on that train. So one of the things that I would add in there, we did have a number of companies who were exhibiting around um, CBD. It tended to be hemp extracts, and it's one of those areas that at Informa we're really active with our compliance program and taking a look at legal compliance. Mm -hmm. This is something that uh, we take a look at at all of our shows, whether that's Expo West, Supply Side, and want to make sure that you know the companies that are selling these ingredients that these are you know legally uh, appropriate for the right market. So we're looking at hemp extracts. It's not, you know, isolated compound. So I think when you were walking around Supply Side East, you definitely saw it was hemp extract primarily. Uh, we didn't see a lot of single isolate CBD. I think there, are, uh, there's a lot of interest around the compound itself, but Larissa Pavlik from UNPA was out visiting our Phoenix office a couple of weeks ago, and one of the things she was talking about is, look, this is one, CBD is mm -hmm. one compound out of this whole host of cannabinoids. So uh, it'll be interesting to see what FDA does. Mm -hmm. And certainly, Steve, I think you're actually going to be heading over to a couple of uh, meetings in D.C. in the next month or so as we continue to see the evolution of the regulatory agency position around CBD. Right. And, and uh, we had a few sessions in the presentation theater, and one was from Mark Ullman and uh, Steve Shapiro both counsel at Rifkin Radler, both of those guys, and, you know, longtime industry attorneys, everyone knows them, and they kind of breeze through the very confusing world of um, FDA, well, just state, federal, and state regu regulatory um, <clears throat> status of CBD, and, you know, Mark talked about the, that just what you mentioned, FDA's, you know, current position and, and, and outlook on it. They're holding a meeting in May um, to talk about potential pathways, but, uh, you know, he went through what is legal and what is not legal. And, and the, the, the situation on the state side was even more confusing because, you know, Steve said that even up to the point just before the presentation, he was getting new information. And different states are um, trying to figure out a way to allow for some CBD sales. And other states are, are not so in favor of it. And there are different entities within the states, different departments that are um, – that are doing different things, and in some places like Texas, things may be pretty chaotic. And so I think, you know, that sort of set the state of confusion. And, uh, and the other presentation theater um, speech by Claire Morton from Next was just, just supported that idea of confusion on the consumer side. I mean, she was talking about um, the, the Nutrition Business Journal survey they did with consumers, and there was really mixed understanding, uh, like more than two-thirds understood that CBD didn't make you high, but more than half thought CBD was legal. And then there were a bunch of different categories of I don't know, or it's kind of a gray area. And so there was this confusion, and like you mentioned out on the show floor, you didn't see a lot of CBD products like you might at maybe an expo or you know a finished product um, show, but, but as Sandy mentioned, what you really heard was everyone's talking about it. I couldn't count the number of companies I talked to who are working behind the scenes preparing for 
um, potentially being able to release CBD products, working with partners, um, harvesters in, in various places. Um, they're concerned about bringing, if they're getting CBD from overseas, if, they're, if, if it's getting through customs, what's getting through customs. And there's a lot of confusion on that end, and a lot of people just sort of preparing and then waiting. And, and so it wasn't so much what you saw on the, on the tabletops, but it was the conversations about CBD. So despite there being other um, endocannabinoids and other sources, you know, the hemp CBD is really what everyone's talking about. It was in sports. It was for its inflammation. It was in the recovery session in sports. Um, it's just it's hitting like every category and segment of the industry. And I think until some of this confusion, both on the consumer side and the regulatory side, you know, sort of gets gets um, solved or ironed out a little bit, um, it's still going to be a pretty chaotic market. But it's trending. It is trending, and I, I am heartened to to hear that people are not just these companies are not just jumping up and launching in into the CBD market. That they are taking the time to to research and to ensure that they have a sustainable supply chain and a safe that they're focusing on bringing safe products to market. I have to say that like that's a good point you brought up because one of the key takeaways from um, the Shapiro Ullman presentation. Um, you know, Steve said, mentioned all the different types of products that they've seen, like CBD going in everything. There was someone on the show floor, um, a one part of their business, um, which was not the focus of the this supply side East, but one part of the business had like a CBD lip balm, but he was talking about CBD and popcorn and peanut butter and all these things. And he was suggesting that might not be the most responsible approach at this point, because um, while FDA is sort of giving an unprecedented, um, what they call, enforcement discretion um, by putting CBD in all these types of products where it could, where you, you might not be able to show consistently how much CBD is in them. It, kids would have access to these foods. How much would they eat? Would they eat too much? And it, it, it might make FDA rethink its, its uh, gracious uh, discretion that it's giving in this potent, this possible pathway that is suggesting well you know of course we'll find out more next month but I thought that was an important point you made absolutely and it's not just I mean FDA is of course very important but not just FDA we these companies need to think about the consumer and earning their trust which was another trend mentioned um, from next MBJ um, earning consumer trust and this is obviously with transparency and certifications and a couple of examples I saw in education on our presentation theater, um, Todd Pauli, who was the managing partner at 24 Stories, uh, he was talking about the marketing of supply chain transparency, right? So once after a brand has done the hard work of cleaning up its supply chain, how does it appropriately tell that story? I mean, it's a big deal to, to do that, to work hard to make sure that everything is in line and you want to make sure that you're coming across to consumers and telling the right story. Then um, an interesting point that he had is you don't have to wait until you're 100% clean, you know, uh, so to speak, that he said that consumers will go for the ride with you if you could just tell them what you're doing, why you're doing it, um, and that, that's a, it's a great way to bring a, a consumer along with, with the brand as it, it, it journeys through the supply chain transparency. Um, Ann Armbrecht, who is the director of the Sustainable Herbs Program, on a separate uh, presentation at our presentation theater, also noted that you don't have to, you don't have to go big. She said just start, start with one, one herb. 
um, or just one process and, and work that through and, you know, just do whatever you can to, to start and to uh, increase your transparency and supply chain reliability. And that, that will do a lot um, to increase the quality of your products as well as earn consumer trust. I don't have a great transition, so we'll just go to delivery systems. Um, there were uh, a lot of uh, a lot of talk about um, moving away from the traditional tablet or capsule, right? So uh, DSM had Vegan Beauty Chews, a, a product uh, concept, um, and it, it featured their Quali A, which is their vitamin A branded product, and Flexalise Mango flavor. And this it also included Lutein um, Floraglow from Kemen and Zeaxanthin. It's OptiSharp. Um, I thought that was interesting for not only for the chew, but also that lutein and zeaxanthin, again, for a beauty uh, positioning. Um, they also had a vanilla, a vanilla cinnamon breakfast shake, um, which was delicious, and it had uh, omega EPA and DHA. Um, there was also, I, I know Heather also stopped by the Vita 5 booth, and they had organic whole fruit gummies. So Heather, what did you see there? Well, what I found interesting, and this was part of the uh, trends presentation from our colleagues at Next and Nutrition Business Journal, when you're taking a look at the supplement market, mm -hmm. at this point, 51% are traditional pills, capsules, tablets. The other 49% is alternative delivery forms, which is huge. I mean, you used to have maybe... 25% of the market was this alternative. This is massive, and I think you're seeing pill fatigue, you're seeing interest of millennials, folks who are on the go, issues with being able to swallow. All of this has really come together. Um, <clears throat> gummies were everywhere. Mm -hmm. So many gummies at this show. Certainly found the Viva 5 partnership with Tora to be really interesting because what they're looking at is using a whole fruit base. Um, so you're not getting necessarily the added sugar. You're not having the challenges necessarily with the production. I do think that the sugar issue in gummies is probably something that we're going to see when we start talking about earning consumer trust, being transparent with consumers, the issue of efficacious dosing in a gummy. How many gummies would you have to take if you wanted to get your calcium right. every day? Um, nobody's going to take that many gummies. Nobody's going to take that many giant gummies. I did see, I think it was Mr. Gummy, who had a few sugar-free gummies, and they were specifically in the sports sector. So you had uh, branched-chain aminos, you had L-carnitine. That, I thought, was interesting positioning for a gummy product mm -hmm. to try and go without the sugar because you've got a target consumer. I'm curious to see how the alternative delivery market evolves. Uh, I'm I'm looking for stick packs, quite honestly. I talked to a couple of companies that were looking at how do I have an efficacious dose in a stick pack. Uh, then you get back to sugar because I'm like, what if it was like a pixie stick and mm -hmm. I can have whatever I need and I just pop it in my mouth? I think you will see continued evolution um, for on-the-go mm -hmm. uh, dosing, but certainly for me, I'm I'm still sticking with the pills right now just because... I can't pack that many liquids and shots if I'm doing a carry-on bag for a business mm -hmm. trip. And that many gummies here in Phoenix, uh, they tend to melt. They, melt. they, get so, off, they stick together. It, it's, it's the gummies and the, and the soft gels. It's actually challenging. So um, hopefully we're going to see continued innovation in the delivery system area. Maybe you'll one day be part of the 49%. I might be you know, part the, of that 49%. <laughs> the... Um, 
The alternative and novel delivery format trend really does carry over to um, sports, especially with all the influx of active consumers and weekend warriors, you know, crossfitters and tough mutters and marathon, half marathoners and all these kinds of things. Um, Claire, Claire and Eric from uh, Next and uh, MBJ you know, pointed out that just in the past five years, um, pills have sort of decreased and gummies and other non-pill formats have increased and, and you mentioned you saw that on gummies and you know they they pointed out gummies and there was like there's a coffee creamers sprays um i saw recently a pop rocks energy product in sports it's a pop rocks everyone thought it was an april fool's joke but it isn't it's out put out by cellucure and um then you know holly Holly McHugh from Imbibe also noted that um, something that you mentioned in that in there was sugar reduction um, as a part of you know alternative delivery and and transparency and then clean label. So sugar reduction and clean label were popular in um, in sports beverages, and so that sort of follows up on that trend. And so you've got the alternative delivery formats and then from the mainstream, and you also have that those sensibilities of sugar reduction and and um, and clean label transparency. They want to know what they're they want to know what they're taking in, but they want it in a convenient way. So there's a challenge, but an opportunity there. There's interesting opportunity. I'm just going to toss in one more thing that I saw. Uh, Vita Foods Europe is coming up in Geneva, and looking through our What's Hot, which will be live on the Vita Foods Insights site relatively soon. There's a company that's actually promoting their multivitamin uh, popsicle. So think about like huh. Otter Pops. And literally, it's like a it's a multivitamin otter pop kind of concept. So anybody who's heading over to Geneva, I'm looking for the uh, multivitamin popsicle. That is so interesting. It makes me think like if it was in the United, the United States, would that have supplement facts or nutrition facts? <clears throat> but uh huh. How interesting. How do you want to be labeling? Yeah, how do you want to play? Have to let us know how that how that tastes. I'll let you know. Um, so sugar reduction, obviously a big problem, a big uh, concern for consumers, and they're also Trying to reduce their meat consumption, many of them. Um, so plant-based is is huge. Um, for instance, on the show floor, I saw um, AIDP has Veg D3, which are vegan vitamin D3 ingredients, which is an amazing advancement. I mean, because we, you know, they have been D2 is vegetarian, but it's it has bioavailability issues compared to D3, as well as a cost issue with D2 versus D3. So this is a D3 vegan ingredient. It's produced using non-GMO algae sources, um, and it's available in oil or powder form. So that could be supplement or food. Um, and it's approved by the Vegan Society. Um, and I know that you two also saw some, some examples of plant-based uh, nutrition. So Steve, what did you see? Well, you definitely saw um, around the show floor a lot of plant-based ingredients so you know in in the sports workshop so in sports you often think of a protein as sort of like the big ingredient right and it's also the big crossover ingredient for for new people coming into um, sports nutrition from the mainstream and the animal animal protein is still hot but they're looking for a sort of more responsible and environmentally responsible um you know grass-fed way native way these things were um were more popular, but plant plant-based um, proteins are definitely hot. Um, there's a lot of opportunity there. Um, Claire and Eric mentioned that you know hemp protein doesn't seem to be performing as well. They feel like it's just it's an opportunity area, whereas say um, P 
pea and rice are uh, are really performing really well. And and the one thing also that they noted in um, with animal proteins was you're not seeing it so much in the in um, in the diet and nutrition types of products, but they're crossing over into um, functional foods and beverages, that alternative format thing. But Phil Vigiant of um, Plant Fusion really laid out the plant-based nutrition going on for sports, and it wasn't just plant proteins, right? He was talking about the popular, the, well, protein, but collagen, which isn't, isn't typically used as a muscle-building protein, and but has become really popular for a lot of other um, benefits, both in skin health and in the mainstream in sports, and he talked about how, um, from a plant-based perspective, you can you can use plant compounds that support the body's um, natural ability to make collagen. But he also talked about the the fat, um, the high-fat diets, like a keto diet where you want to burn fats and you consume fats like the MCTs, um, <clears throat> supplying lots of healthier fats. You know, sometimes these diets have some really unhealthy fats. I think he had a picture of butter and coffee, and I, he, he went through some strange things that people do. But but his company and other companies have found and uh, sourced out a bunch of healthy fats from seeds and, and oils of um, plants, you know, like avocados and, and various seeds. So that was, that was also interesting. Um, and the different ways that you can get plant-based ingredients, not just proteins. All right. Well, thank you so much, Steve and Heather, for joining me today and for being our eyes and ears at Supply Side East. Really appreciate it. For more award-winning podcasts from industry experts, go to insider.com and click in the podcast section. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts or Google Play by searching Healthy Insider Podcast. Hit subscribe to never miss an episode. To join the conversation about the health and nutrition industry, leave a comment on the podcast's Twitter, Facebook, or SoundCloud account.